Hello and welcome to the Teacher Coach Podcast. I'm so excited to have you join us throughout these episodes where I meet some amazing and fantastic teachers. We talk about everything and anything educational. So grab yourself a cuppa and come and listen in. Today, our guest on the Teacher Coach Podcast is Stephen McCall, author of Mindfully Saving Myself One Moment at a Time. Hi, everyone. So welcome, our guest. Welcome, yeah. Stephen McCall to the Teacher Coach podcast this week. I'm so happy to have you on. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on today. Not a problem. I'm really grateful to be on. So a friend of mine actually recommended that I read your book. And I am a firm believer in if somebody gives me a name of a book, that's kind of a sign that it's in my area and it's something that I should read. So I'm looking forward to getting the copy of your book. Good to hear, yeah. So fill us in, tell us about your story, tell us about how you got to where you are today, have written your first book, what it's about, and give us a bit of background history. Okay, I work in the IT field. I know you obviously you deal with teachers, but I've been working in IT field since uh, 1999. And I suppose outwardly, I looked pretty successful. I worked my way up and became an operations manager for Europe in the company I'm still working at actually and uh, life outwardly looked really good but there wasn't something right with what was going on and one day I had a moment at work where I just suddenly realized I didn't feel anything about anything and that was really uh, the eye of the storm as it were and very quickly I I went to the doctors and spoke to a doctor about it and uh, answered some questions and he diagnosed me as being depressed and anxious I arranged some counselling but very quickly I went downhill rapidly because I think I'd become aware that something wasn't right so I started thinking about it and, and trying to work yeah. out what was going on you can almost make down- it worse can't you Stephen sorry to interrupt you can almost make the symptoms worse because you end up overthinking everything as well yeah I think there's that but there's I'd gone through my life I now realize this is with hindsight that pretty much everything I was doing with life was to distract me whether that was going out with friends or drinking drinking and so when I recognized something wasn't right the distracting methods that I'd been using stopped working quite as well because I was more aware of what was going on so I went very downhill it got to a point where unfortunately December 2014 I almost made the decision to take my own life but actually I decided to live I realized that Actually, I didn't want to die. I um, wanted to live. And that's when everything in my life changed. So people would have thought, and lots of people thought I was, you know, I got told, yeah, we thought you had a pretty good life and you were pretty happy, but I wasn't. I stepped away from the things, take a step back. I I had counselling. I went through some CBT counselling and some just talking therapies counselling. And I worked out a lot of what I was doing, like I was using things for distractions. Even relationships were distractions. And, you know, I was sort of using relationships unconsciously to take me away from the things that were hurting me inside. So I ignored all that stuff. So I worked out all this stuff from counselling and I really understood myself in, in quite great detail. But at the same time, it didn't improve. I was, I was still depressed and I was still anxious. So you didn't um, find the root cause because we were kind of touching a little bit on this earlier, weren't we, in our chat, that it sounds almost like that, that you're kind of putting a bandage on. So the distraction tools that you're using are kind of putting a bandage on what you haven't uncovered yet as the root cause. Yeah, I, I, I think that's true. The, the, the way I say it is that they're 
you're distracting yourself and you're pushing down your emotions so you know if you feel bad you go out and have a drink or if you're feeling lonely you may have a drink or you may read the book not because you want to read the book because you you're not for me personally because I wasn't wanting to feel that way so yeah. I wasn't reading the book because hey I want to learn what's in the book or enjoy a good fiction um, novel I, I was doing it because I couldn't face what I was feeling and I think probably most people do that to a certain degree but I, I think I was doing it with pretty much everything I did right um, um, but yeah the, the, the counseling was helpful um, it did help me learn a lot of stuff but it didn't help me it, it learn a lot of stuff about myself but it didn't help me handle any of that stuff I was still if I was on my own I still felt pretty isolated and very lonely and, and I couldn't handle that one thing I didn't say is I was married and at the time of my worst breakdown when I, I nearly took my own life very shortly after that I decided to leave my ex-wife because I just knew within the marriage I couldn't fix myself I couldn't get better so there was lots of times when I was on my own and you know I was, I was depressed and it was mm. it was pretty bad time but then I went to um, Thailand to give myself a break just from everything, just trying to escape myself as, as I had been doing for ages. The Thai people were just, there was something about them that was really calm. Their culture is built around Buddhism. And I just thought, well, that's really interesting. And I'd already heard about mindfulness. So when I got home, I didn't do any meditation or anything when I was there, but I was really sort of interested about Thai people and how they were. So I started reading into uh, mindfulness and just immediately started meditating. And that's when things started to change. That's when I got into mindfulness. So this is what you've written your book on, which is called Mindfully Saving Myself. So you really, for me, it was yoga and, and a little bit of mindfulness. But for you, it was mindfulness and that has really brought you out of that depression state and supported you. Yeah, meditation it, it, for me it was there was several stages so the first stage for me was meditation was a way of me just having a period of calm because as anyone who knows who's had depression or anxiety your brain is just going 10 to a dozen all the time <laughs> yeah. so the first stage for me was just giving me an opportunity to practice stepping away from those thoughts so it was, you know, 10, 20 minutes. And it, it wasn't every day at first. It was maybe every other day. It would just give me a break. And that's all it was at first. It was just an opportunity to escape. I, I used an app for it at that point, And I would do that. And then I start, once I started having that and uh, these periods of calm, I started meditating more often because, you know, this is not great. I can step away from my thoughts for a few minutes so you start doing it daily so then something else happened one of the meditation practices that people do is called a body scan yeah I don't know have you heard of? I that? love that one yeah I do it with my coaching clients quite often for me it was a really good way of calming my mind do you want to just tell everybody what it is because then we probably have got some listeners that don't know what the body scan is so I'll let you do a quick talk about what that is yeah so a body scan is uh, sit yourself down and, and get in a comfortable position um, and you slowly but your focus on different parts of your body. So you may put your, your focus on your head for a period of time. If you're doing a really long one, you might do a specific part of your head. Long meditation, you may do it in your ears and you, you just slowly work through your body. As you concentrate on each part of your body, you just notice what's there. And you don't try and 
judge it if you've got an itch you don't try and judge that the itch is bad or good or whatever just pay attention and you slowly work your way through your body and you can do that for five minutes you can do it for half an hour it's very versatile in terms of length of time and firstly it, it gives you calm it, it's really useful i think for new meditators because it gives you some point of focus key thing for me is i call it fixing your spiritual roof while the sun is shining you sit down comfortably really pay attention to what's going on in your body so really try and see what it's made up of that gives you the practice of actually facing what's going on in your life and you can start building up the ability to face um, difficulties that you have uh, but with something physical um, so that that was really the second stage for me in meditation is learning to face what is without running away from it. So if I had an itch, I wouldn't itch it. I would just feel it. Um, and, you know, if we were talking about this earlier, weren't we? It's kind of those emotions again. It's, it's being allowed to have those emotions and feel them and sit with the uncomfortability at some yeah. point as well. And I think I know I definitely find sitting with emotions uncomfortable and I do the body scan and. I find it really helpful to just bring me back into my body if my head is going in a busy state, if I'm thinking about work too much, just to do it. And I can do it and nobody knows I'm doing it. So I could do it if yeah. I was on the bus and nobody would have a clue. And it would just bring me back into my body. And then I can just sit with those emotions a little bit and just know that, you know, they're not going to be there forever. The time will pass and we're OK to be uncomfortable with our emotions for a little bit as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh yeah, as we were discussing before before this podcast, uh, a lot of the time we are taught, um, you know, if you have a negative emotion, ignore it, push it down, uh, put it in a box, put a lid on it, whatever. So you don't actually deal with your emotions. Um, so by doing a body scan, although it's not emotions as such, uh, you were starting to face your reality. Um, yeah, the reality of how your body feels at this moment. Uh, and then you can start applying those lessons. And this is not something you can do overnight. It's, uh, it takes a long time. It's not something I did overnight. It's something that I did over a number of years. Um, but you can start using those techniques against, uh, or not, not against, but on any emotions that come up. So when you have sadness come up or if anger or, or whatever emotion comes up, rather than pushing that away, you can start to pay attention to it um and when you start to pay attention to it without judging it whether you know i shouldn't be angry or i shouldn't be sad um you start to realize that actually these emotions that we've been running from basically i've been running from my emotions my entire adult life i believe you, you start to see that these emotions when you look them in the eye aren't as powerful as we thought and actually the more you look at them the less powerful they become so we stop being driven by emotions so you know if you're angry like my, my um my kryptonite is uh driving in the car you know someone <laughs> cuts me up <laughs> my immediate reaction is anger oh um, i've been there yeah uh, my husband uh, would be saying i am the queen of road rage no longer due to mindfulness but definitely in my youth the queen yeah of but road rage. and that, that's the thing when i was young uh younger or 10 years ago i would have been you know swearing yeah. at the person under my breath yeah because obviously they can't hear it whereas now the anger will still sometimes still arise uh, and there will be anger there but i i no longer own it i no longer follow that anger i just aware oh yeah there's angry steve popping up um and just by stepping back and recognizing this is this emotion's arisen 
it loses its power. So rather than being angry about someone who cut me up and getting home and still being angry about it, and you know, maybe even thinking about it the next day that this guy cut me off on this same bit of road yesterday, uh, you know, it's something that's lost and forgotten within a couple of seconds. And it's that awareness, isn't it, Stephen? It's that awareness of those emotions and that you know they are normal and we were having this conversation as well that I'm having this with my four-year-old at the moment and you know we have these discussions where when there's a tantrum coming on or an angry state coming on or a frustration state that those emotions you are 100% allowed to feel them but we do actually have control over these emotions and I know when I was in my chronic anxiety stage that was what I feared the most was losing control but actually I did always have control I just didn't have the awareness that I had it I could shift that emotion that emotion can come and I can feel nervous about something or worry about something but it it didn't have to get so big whereas I was in the pit at that time it was getting too big and that's like my daughter at the moment with worry you said you said angry Stephen we call her worry Mrs worry and you know it can get too big worry is fine we're allowed to feel worried it's an emotion that we have but it's when it gets too big that we have to make you know control that back in and put it back in its place because it's stopping us live our life basically yeah a Buddhist view that attachment is the 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 cause of all suffering and what they mean by attachment is when you you grasp onto something so if anger comes up you really follow that anger and 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 become part of that anger you you make yourself suffer it's not bad the it's not bad the angers come up because we're human beings and this is how we're designed we're designed to have these emotions come up because they've got some sort of use at some point sometimes you have to be angry if something bad's happening but but rather than get drawn into the anger and become part of the anger and hold on to it, uh, we can then work out what we're going to do with that anger, which, you know, if I'm driving my car, it's ignore it. The other part of attachment is actually aversion. So for this belief, if you push stuff away, so I shouldn't feel angry and push it down. You also suffer because the reality is that anger has come up. So if you accept it's there, but without grasping it so pulling it close or pushing it away and you actually just pay attention to it you're, you're doing neither and actually the power is lost of that anger um, you may need to make a decision based on that anger maybe you're angry about something you know, that's happened and you need to make a decision but those decisions uh, aren't reactive you're not going oh my god that guy's just cut me off I'm gonna chase after him in my car which I haven't done but I know other people do when they're yeah. in their cars but you can make a a response so it's a measured response so in in terms of the the angry driver um, example the response is to let the anger go and not do anything about it but in other situations if you're at work or something there may still need to be a response but it needs to be a response that's measured rather than reaction and obviously with your four-year-old it's quite hard to stop a child being reactive but to make them aware of it I think it's incredible that you're teaching her to be aware that actually these emotions are okay to feel it's really what you do with them that counts well I I think think it's really important and I think it's a generation thing and I know I was taught the opposite I was taught to shove those emotions down and for me personally and whether people believe this or not it manifests in a different way and for me it's come out in physical pain in my body 
And so I then have to release all of those emotions. So when you're saying that the Buddhist people will say that when you're saying you shouldn't feel those emotions, you're pushing them down. We get pain from that. I 100% resonate with that because I can feel that pain. And as I work on myself and do self-development, it releases it and it changes. So I, I do totally agree. It's about being aware of those feelings but just letting them come and go but something that I think is important as well and I know there'll be loads of listeners out there that have done this sometimes those emotions we are meant to feel them for a reason for instance if your boss has said something and you're fuming about it and the anger's taking over what's great about being aware of that emotion is that you don't react at that moment in time and I had to learn that lesson (laughs) and I'm sure there's lots of people out there that have yeah I think we all have we all have and I definitely am that person that will go away and I will stomp you know like this on my laptop writing the email in that moment and I'll get all of that frustration out and then I'll leave it and then I'll go back and reread that email four hours later and think thank god I did not send that email because it's just I'm fueled by the emotion not by me but actually fundamentally what I want to get across is still there and then I rewrite the email and resend it (laughs) and I think that's that's a really good tool to use as well definitely I think uh, and that is the difference between reactivity and response if if you something terrible happens at work you you know the the headmaster or headmistress um it treats you in a bad way and you react to that immediately, that email you send is going to be very different to the email you, you send hours later. And I think that's true of any workplace or any situation in life, actually. Um, and mindfulness gives you that ability to step away from that reactivity quite quickly. Um, you don't need mindfulness to do that. Like a, a pause and taking a few hours does help. Um, but mindfulness makes that whole process a bit smoother i find that that's my experience anyway um but you you mentioned how it came up with you in physical pain the the things you were pushing down and i was taught the same i think you know we i i was born in the 70s and uh, yeah that was very much the, the yeah. way it was then if you negative stuff just push it down and and ignore it in some way or distract yourself so you know, i think we were working as designed as it were um but for me what what came out was I was pretty angry. I was really sad um, about stuff, but I would get angry really easily, which is why I mentioned the anger on the road. Um, and whilst I didn't, you know, I didn't inflict that anger on other people, I was angry in myself all the time. But actually, when I dug down into it through the process of facing these emotions, I wasn't really angry. What what the problem was was that I didn't feel I was good enough. Uh, and that's uh, uh, you know this is something I've heard um, many times. I, I I volunteer for the Samaritans and I, I speak to people, and this is something I I hear a lot that people don't feel that they're worthy, that they feel they're lacking in some way, uh, and that was my core problem. I didn't think I was good enough for anything or anyone, and I hid that from myself. I didn't face that, um, and it came out of me in ang- as anger. Mm. um and which is even if you're not expressing it to people it's still very destructive to you as the individual um and it yeah made my life very difficult um but recognizing actually that's not that's just a symptom um and, and facing actually I didn't feel I was good enough and actually facing that and working through that and you know like I said earlier on it's not something I did 
quickly. It was over a few years uh, of meditating, but always facing that. Um, actually, I, I learned to love who I was. It, it's a very, not in an egotistical way, but actually, I, I'm all right. I'm a, I'm a good guy. I, you know, I, I think of other people. I try and do uh, right by other people. I, I, I care. I'm very empathetic to how other people are feeling. And I, I will try and help people who are in a bad situation. And when I started to love myself, every, everything changed. And, and I couldn't have got there without um, being able to sit and face these emotions. And, and you know, maybe mindfulness isn't for everyone, although I think it, it can be helpful for a lot of people, but being able to sit and face who you are, it, it, whether it's through mindfulness or, or through some other sort of practice, I, I think that that's really key. Um, and what, advice would you give, what advice would you give someone? So if a teacher or somebody else listening to the podcast is looking and thinking, okay, I want to go into this, but I want to go in slowly and I want to maybe look at, look a bit more about mindfulness. Where can they go? How can they kind of get into it in a lighter way to start them off? Well, I, I think that, you know, we're, we're really lucky at the age we live in because of the internet and, you know, with our, with our phones now, they're extraordinary. And there, there are a lot of apps that are, are really useful. I use an app. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to use um, yeah. a lot of the audience will know that from following me um, on social media I use I don't use it every day now because I do a lot of my own unguided meditations but I still do use it because it, it's a great app but if you use an app um, it, you can just do 10 minutes a day and, and it's guided they, they tell you how to um, go go through the meditation and there, there'll be various different ones and you can then work out what works for you um, but I think I got told this very early in my meditation practice. And this advice I think is key is you have to do this without any expectation of results. If you like med and meditate without any expectation, then actually some quite extraordinary things happen. And, and I did that from the very start. You know, get an app. It doesn't have to be calm. There's, there's other ones out there as well. And there's Headspace and a few others that other people like. Um, and just try and meditate regularly, but without any expectation. Just think, I'm going to have 10 minutes to myself each day and see what happens and see what works. And especially as a teacher or a lot of the audience will be teacherpreneurs and setting up businesses and just having that 10 minutes to yourself. You know, I'll bang on about self-care till the cows come home. And I think it's really important that this is a bit like a double whammy, really. You're kind of doing that and it's going to help you later on. But you're right. Having no expectation is really important. And it can take it can. It's a lifelong practice. It's something that will be with you forever that you will fall back on and use. And I did that through the yoga with my anxiety. And it would it was it took a year, a year, a full year, really, for me get to get out of complete burnout stage. And obviously wow. you're, you're meditating when you're doing um, yoga but I was having 15 panic attacks a day I was dreaming and having a panic attack so you know it was chronic anxiety stage and that's so a very, very difficult time then yeah really really difficult time really difficult time and a very big loss of control and not knowing what was happening and the fascinating thing which I absolutely find fascinating is that my brain obviously remembered anywhere where I had a panic attack and I would end up having another one even if I wasn't panicked just from recognition of going back to that place or that time frame so if I got out of breath I, it would trigger a panic attack for me 
even if I was in my house in a safe place, it's just the way my brain, well, the way the brain works anyway. So I got a treadmill and I would push myself and I'd walk on that treadmill and do graded exposure until my body realized that it, you know, I wasn't in fight or flight. I wasn't being chased by a saber toothed tiger. It didn't need yeah. to protect me anymore. And I was okay. I was in my living room. Um, but the yoga and the meditation of the deep breathing and being in that meditative state for a good half an hour is really what supported me. And then that breathing is what I use to this day and I don't do as much yoga anymore but I still use that breathing if I'm going into a situation or I'm becoming aware of those emotions that are rising up again and it's you know so helpful yeah definitely uh, and you know obviously I'm in a different working environment uh, to most of your listeners um, but yeah there's, there's times of work when uh, I, I'm fortunate my, my job now is really good but there's sometimes when you know there, there's sort of stressful situations and, and the thing I do um, to help ground myself is just if I feel that I'm getting stressed in it you know some stress is is positive it helps you focus but if I think I've gone too far um, because I do have that tendency just because I've been like that for my entire adult life um, I put all my focus into my soles and my feet um, or my seat wherever I'm sitting so wherever my um, body is touching the chair I, I focus on that just to ground myself um, and if I'm able to uh, I will actually put the attention uh, my attention into um, uh, the actual emotion I'm feeling sometimes that's not possible because you're in a, in a meeting or something but um, I, I find grounding myself with the sort of pressure on my body of either the floor on my feet or uh, the seat can be really helpful just to bring me back into the moment and be a bit less reactive and having that away gives you that awareness again that you're you're noticing that emotion and not yeah. letting emotion control you it, exactly and I think you you said a few minutes ago um it, it's a lifetime practice or words to that effect and I think it is I think once you've stepped on this path of awareness of um being aware of your body or your emotions and and how you're reacting or or you know or what's coming up for you at any moment in time I, I think it's hard not to do that in future um early in your practice you might not do that very often you may at the end of the day go oh I've been really reactive all day um but then recognize it. But the more you practice, the, the quicker it becomes when you suddenly realize, whoa, I just got, you know, lost in my thoughts there, lost in uh, my emotions, and you step back from it. So it, it is definitely a lifetime practice. And I think even if you have a break from it, um, so you get, like, I haven't done yoga for ages because I keep having the uh, physical issues, um, but it, you, you never stop. I think I think you're always aware. It becomes part of your definitely. toolkit. You're just aware of those triggers. Like I know the Christmas break is going to definitely trigger any anxiety for me. So I put my toolkit in place. And we were talking about it earlier where we were saying that this isn't something that you have to wait until that anxiety gets out of control or the depression gets out. You know, you don't have to wait till that because you mentioned earlier on the call, you know, if, if somebody's feeling fine, we can still practice mindfulness then when I was working in the in the corporate world before my anxiety took over in all intents and purposes I would have thought I was fine I had no idea because I did not have that self-awareness to realize that I was being controlled by my emotions mm. and it at the time I thought one day I woke up and I just had a panic attack and it was anxiety but actually that had been building up for years probably from childhood 
And that's why I think mindfulness is great because you don't have to wait until that moment of burnout, of chronic anxiety, of depression. You can start doing it now and it will give you the tools to help you avoid those big eruptions. Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I'm very much like you. Once I had uh, my breakdown, it was really an ongoing breakdown that lasted about two and a half years, to be honest. Um, I then look back and I realise actually, uh, like I said, I, I've been suppressing a lot of this stuff, but I'd been depressed and anxious my entire adult life. Um, and yeah, mindfulness helped me get out of that. So now I'm in a pretty good place most of the time, you know, I, I'm a human, so I have my ups and downs, but, but I don't give it up because I'm in a good place. It, it, yeah. it, it keeps helping you. So even a person who isn't depressed and anxious, it, it can still improve their life in some way. I think being aware and being really focused on what's happening to you right now um, it is it is extraordinary. You can enjoy things like even listening to things like uh, listen to music. Uh, and I enjoy it in ways that I never did before. Before I used to go off on little fantasy, you know, I'd be <laughs> when I was a lot younger thinking I'd be playing the guitar, you know, having some fantasy <laughs> that I, I was a rock star. Whereas now I enjoy the music in a, in a completely different way. And there's uh, little bits of music that I've just never recognized, you know, stuff I've listened to over years and suddenly recognize something else in it because I'm so present with it. You just know um, things a lot more, don't you? Yeah, and it's just, and you, you, I just think there's a greater enjoyment with life. Um, and there's, a, you still focus on the future. You still, you know, we want, because tomorrow's future, uh, yeah, the future will be tomorrow's present. Yeah. So you, you want a good future. So it's not about forgetting the future and just say, hey, focus on right now and everything will be fine. But being present just, just makes you aware of everything. And so you can actually set up yourself a, a better future. And even if the future doesn't quite turn out as you planned, um, you are then better able to uh, deal with whatever happens in the future, just because you're, you're just more alive in your life. That's what I was going to say. These are going to give you the tools to help you cope with those situations that we all know are going to happen. These situations are not, not going to happen throughout our life. They are, we're human. Um, but these, these things like mindfulness meditation, they help you to deal with them. They're your toolkit to support you through to support you through it. So you are still in control of it all and supporting yourself to the best of your ability. Um, I know that I went through a stage of mourning almost the life before my anxiety and my breakdown. And I remember always just wanting to go back. I just want to go back to that I just want to go back to that when I was fine and I was happy and I was this but actually I wasn't any of those things I just didn't have that self-awareness in that period before the breakdown yeah. to know that and you go through that morning period and then you realize actually now I've it's almost like a rebirth I've come out the other side of it and people will say but Nikki you still have anxiety but I had it before we've all got a level of anxiety every human being does it doesn't ever go away and we're going to have those days when we're not feeling or top form but you kind of you're in control of it moving forward yeah yeah I, I agree um like I, I say to people that I'm in recovery from depression and anxiety and I, I suppose like an alcoholic who's in recovery you've still got those problems yeah. those, those things still come up but you you deal with them in a, a very different way so whilst I say I'm in recovery from depression and anxiety. That doesn't mean that depressive or anxious thought 
thoughts don't come up they still do but I just deal with them um in a completely different way I like that way of saying that and I, I think that's a really nice way of saying it and I think people that say that they don't have anxiety I think maybe that a lot of people just aren't self-aware of it and that they do have some level for anxiety for me I just think anxiety is present in everybody's day of life on it, some level it, that's possible but I, I think you need something to happen in your life that that means you can no longer escape it I think you know if if your life is going well outwardly uh, and it continues to go well outwardly sometimes you never have to face those inner problems because life just hasn't brought you to that point it doesn't mean the person doesn't have slightly depressed or anxious thoughts but they they just never have to face them me, me personally I was in a, a relationship that just was really unhealthy for me and being in that relationship um, meant that I could no longer escape the depression and anxiety that I've been feeling for years whereas previously um, when I've been on my own or been in relationships there have been good relationships so I didn't have to face what was going on inside um, so I think yeah th th I think you're probably right people probably do have most people have depressed and anxious thoughts but it, it's whether you have to face them or not and, and usually you're fine with people who step onto this path something has happened um, that's made them have to face what's going on and, and some people struggle with that they, they you know they never really able to face it and that's that's really sad um, where, when they just can't cope and find a way of getting through it but I think everyone who's got onto this path whichever way it is whether it's yoga mindfulness or, or other sort of spiritual practices they've always been through something it, it may be different in it, it well it's usually very different for different people but there's something that's happened that meant actually they could no longer run from from what they'd been feeling and they could no longer uh, ignore it they can no longer use those bandages and put plastic yeah. and, and push those emotions down and they've had to kind of face it and come out the other side I think uh, I realise we're like I'm fine for time, but I, I realise we're we're going I'll on cut, a little I bit. Will, I will cut bits down, so don't worry. Oh, okay. Um, but I, I uh, the other key bit of mindfulness for me is accepting responsibility for my own life, um, and I, I, I think prior to my breakdown and and during my breakdown actually before I found mindfulness I put a lot of blame on other people um uh you know stuff that happened when I was growing up um things people had done to me especially uh, the last relationship I've been in um there was a lot of that's the cause of um how I'm suffering uh and, and that's not to say that these people haven't done things wrong uh, and they are responsible for those things. But actually, the responsibility for myself does lie with myself. Um, I, that if someone treats you badly, um, yeah, bad emotions, you know, negative emotions, sadness or anger or whatever it is will come up. Um, but it's our responsibility of how we deal with those and how we process them. And, and some of these, you know, things that happen to us can take years to process, but it's our responsibility um, to process them. I love and, the way to, you say that. This is exactly how I talk to my four-year-old and some people will be saying, for goodness sake, she's four, but um, <laughs> you know, we, we have this, we have this discussion where, you know, I will always say you're, you're choosing to feel that emotion and you do have control of it. And she'll say, but mommy, you've made me do this. You've made me do that. 
and I will say you are feeling that emotion because I've done something but you're you can control that you can change the way that that makes you feel um by doing this this and this we go um at the moment it's available on Amazon in both paperback and um yeah on the Kindle version uh, and the full title is mindfully saving myself uh one moment at a time one moment at a time and it's by yeah. Stephen McCall and where can they yeah. follow you online um, I have uh, an author's page on Facebook and I've also got one, well, it's Stephen McCall-author on Facebook and on um, Instagram, it's Stephen McCall Mindfulness, all Great. one word. I will pop all of those in the notes on the podcast as well for all the listeners. And if anybody needs any help. So thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. No, and I appreciate yeah. you having me. And good luck with the book. Thank you very much. 